Hey, welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. It is thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, and we try to address the existential threats to America, and there are plenty. Joining me today is Brian Kennedy. Brian Kennedy is president of the American Strategy Group. He's also the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger, China. Glad he's here, right? Yeah, Glad absolutely. to see him. Yeah, he's looking dapper as always. Maybe he would love to answer some emails with us to start the show. Let's start with an email. I, I think it's addressed to me, yes. but I will do it first, and then Brian will comment if he will. Sure. So, our friend Margaret from South Lyon, Michigan, you already know where this is going. Oh, yeah. I says, I've listened to you for the past 20 years, first on your radio show and then the podcast. I've enjoyed your preseason analysis each year for college football. And, a, and I'm a University of Michigan fan. But I was very disappointed when in the beginning of your intro to your January 13th podcast, you commented on Nick Saban leaving Alabama, but said, ne'er word, my grandmother said all, all the time. Ne'er word? Ne'er word. Uh-huh. Ne'er word about Michigan capturing the national championship, which occurred three days previous to Saban's announcement. What gives? Fair criticism. We didn't talk about Michigan winning it. Well, yes and no, except Saban leaving Alabama is a leaves a cosmic hole in the universe. I mean, Nick Saban? Right. What, I mean, college football is less. It is diminished, is it not, by Nick Saban not being there. Now, okay, I have a friend from Michigan who wrote me right away, and I wrote, hail, hail. So let me say the same thing here. Hail, hail. Okay, you guys won. It's about time and a terrible play call uh, in the overtime by Alabama. But, uh, you know, the retirement um, upset me. The only thing that didn't upset me is I, uh, this was the guy I wanted to see replace him. Mm-hmm. I uh, think on the show we predicted that he'd be the next guy. Right? Uh, well, I, I think so. But I know they were always talking about Dan Lanning at Oregon. But every time Oregon played Washington, they lost. Mm-hmm. I really like this guy. This guy seems like salt of the earth American University of Sioux Falls, you know, and he plays there and coaches there for like 30 years then moves up to Washington. And he's fabulous record. Problem is um, our listeners are going to like this because I'm going to talk about Alabama is the, the portal. And all these Alabama kids are, kids leaving. are leaving. Yeah, because yeah, Saban's leaving. They're leaving. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the portal goes both ways. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Brian? I think you were wrong not to say something about <laughs> Michigan winning a national championship. Pile on but, time. But, but we here, didn't say anything. Here's the interesting thing, though, for, for the non-football fans who are listening to the podcast. There is a great lesson in life when you watch either Nick Saban at Alabama or Jim Harbaugh at University of Michigan, who just won the national championship, let us say again. They love their players, and their players love them. There is an amazing amount of joy on the football field when you watch both of those teams. And so even if you're not really a football fan, just the joy of life of seeing those guys out there playing, I was touched by that when I saw how the University of Michigan players treated their coach and and all the coaches. I mean... They were really a family, and there's a great lesson there for America, that with enough love and enough family, you can win a championship. That's a great point. Whether it's on a football Mm -hmm. field or whether in life. And don't forget, I mean, in a lot of it, maybe even self-imposed, a lot of the the drama surrounding Michigan season, Harbaugh was suspended twice 
this past year, and you saw the team come together. You saw I forget, I forget the assistant coach that filled in for him crying after one win. Coach, we love you, and he's in tears in the post game. I think he's weird. <laughs> Who the coach that was crying? No, Arbaugh. Oh, you Arbaugh. don't think he's weird? A little weird. Well, all these guys were great. Have a little yeah, thing yeah. about them. I mean, <laughs> come on, he, may, uh, he he certainly he certainly seems a little eccentric. Let's put it that way. Well, he's off to the pros. But boy, you know, football players are a certain breed. Yeah, they are. And they sure loved him. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that that that's that's what I'm reacting. Yeah, to. and it's a kind of battlefield yeah. loyalty. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, hail hail the Michigan. Am, there I, am I done? <laughs> yeah, am be, I done? We can be done yes. with that. <laughs> can we move on? Okay, let's let's go to um, Brian. You follow these things. Uh, New Hampshire primary. What did we learn? I think that Donald Trump is an extremely popular uh, candidate for president. Uh, we didn't learn that. We knew that already going in and that there wasn't going to be much that was going to slow him down. Um, it, lo- it looks like the results, he won by 11. If you would have, if you factor out the number of independents and Democrats who became independents in order to vote for Nikki Haley, you factor them out, probably Trump won by 25%. So it's another blowout for Trump. And the he's, dot, a, he's going to be the nominee. He's going to be the nominee. There's, there's no question about that. Try, try as the you know network media tries to make it a, a you know Nikki Haley a, a serious candidate. It just turns out whatever her virtues or vices, this is the age of Trump we're living in. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, I've expressed doubts on this show, and I'll be candid with with you guys as as I have been. Um, not 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 say Nikki Haley will be the candidate because she won't be, but and polls are unreliable. Nevertheless, every daggone poll I see in the general matching Trump against Biden is two points, three points, four, maybe five. The ones that have been consistent matching Haley against Biden is 17. He beats him by 17 or 15. Right, whether that's true or not, just take the first part. If it's two points or three points or four points, and you and I have talked about this a lot, Brian uh, and Claude, you know, this is before all the major Democrat shenanigans begin. Well, maybe not before, because I was just wondering the first time I saw the poll, what are they going to do? And then, lo and behold, Colorado, you know, right. <laughs> takes them off the ballot. Maine takes them off the ballot. 30 other states are looking at it. Yeah, 30 other states are, are looking at it. Uh, they're putting uh, abortion initiatives in uh, all the swing states, apparently, the Democrats. They haven't yet begun, you know. And people don't pay attention to politics. And they're going to get this steady diet of MAGA and white supremacists, and it'll be the end of democracy. Um, what? Well, I, I shouldn't presume. Do you think Trump can still win? Can win a general election against Biden? Absolutely. But and of course, I think he won in twenty twenty as well. I do know okay, you think so, that, and I, but, but, you know, I, it, I had some doubts about that myself. When I look at the polling, though, this is this is an important thing. When I look at the polling, I don't see Nikki Haley beating Biden by seventeen points. Um, it, 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 all those things depend on who you're asking, when you're asking, what you know, what do those things mean? Sure. She look, Donald Trump brings a lot of Republicans. 
a lot of independents and a lot of Democrats to vote for him. Nikki Haley, I think, gets roughly what John McCain or Mitt Romney got, which is the Republican base and a few others, right? And so that's like in the last election, that would have been 65 million in the last election compared to Trump's 75 million. Probably it was really Trump's 80 million and Biden probably had something less than 70 million in in my judgment. But Nikki Haley or any Republican other than Trump, this is the great, I think, crisis for the Republican Party. They're other than a Trump candidacy. Where are the other people coming from to vote for Republicans, including Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis yeah, or anybody yeah, else? Yeah. Trump really has captured the imagination of the American people. He was a household name. Yeah. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, everybody else. I don't care how good good or bad they are. They're not household names. Trump is. What happened to DeSantis? Well, I was going to say also, if I could just interrupt real quick, Trump has done that with almost, what, eight years of the Democrat machine and the justice system just pounding him over and over and over again. Nikki Haley hasn't even been in focus of the Democrats at all. And so that 17 number. And then don't forget the last couple of gas this the, the last two weeks. If you think that she's been catching heat over the slavery comment or the is America a racist country comment, if she if, if she were to, by some miraculous way, make it past the primary and and she is the Republican candidate, the Democrats aren't going to let her live that down. And she won't be able to with voters, especially the high percentage of black voters that Trump's able to get. She will not be able to let that down with them. And all the women who are genuinely pro-choice, radical pro-choice, mm-hmm. because she's a woman, they're not, you know, she's a pro-life woman. Right. She says she's pro-life. So are all those pro-choice women going to vote for Nikki Haley? No, no, no. If that's their issue, they're not voting for Nikki Haley either. Mm-hmm. So where, where, where does, you know, where does, her or any Republican get enough votes. And that's that, that it really yeah. is. We're yeah. in the, we're in this moment in American politics where our politics are being redefined. Well, uh, just a couple of things. Uh, I, I saw the number again, polls of Republicans who will not vote for Trump under any circumstances. It's like 30% nonsense. You don't think it is? No. Okay. That's what people say, but when it comes to it, right. All right. Republicans, Trump supporters, who will not, uh, maybe it was Haley supporters, who will not vote for Trump. Uh, Trump supporters. But in the the polling, though, those were people, those high numbers were coming from people who were Democrats who had who had registered independents Mm -hmm. or independents who are really part of the Democratic base. They were not. These are not Republican voters. This was mischief making in New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of the the quirky nature of our you know, primary system in the early parts of it that you get these kind of things. What about the number, which is pretty much the same number, it's a 30-something, of Haley supporters' percentage who will uh, not vote for Trump? Again, they're prob- I think they're, that's mostly coming out of the independents and the Democrats who are not going to vote Republican anyway okay. under any circumstances, but decided to here. What about Trump supporters who will not vote for Haley? Well, this is this is a, a you know the big the big challenge. I think there is a substantial number of Trump voters who believe in Trump and Trump only. Yeah, I and they look at all everybody else as a politician. I agree. And with so you. they're just not going to come out and vote. All right. Well, let's go back to um, quite apart from the merits. Let's go back to shenanigans. Um, 
you know, you said maybe 80 million and Biden something below 70 million you thought in 2020. Well, I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe, maybe it'll be like that, you know, this time if they're the two nominees. I would like to talk about that too for a second on the Democrat side. Um, but, you know, what about the shenanigan factor? I mean, we still have mail-in balloting. We still have this... Uh, ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting. What, ha- yes. what have you. Yeah, all that and maybe the stuff, stuffing the stuffing the ballot boxes. I mean, I, what, what about all of that? Is it, is it better now? No. I, I think, I think uh, it, it's marginally better, but not, but not substantially or significantly. Look, in the seven swing states that decide our elections... There is mail-in balloting going on. There have been a couple restrictions put on in Wisconsin and and maybe some in Georgia. But as a practical matter, as a practical matter, the ability to produce counterfeit ballots and get them voted are simply a fact of life. Now, I mean, I, I, I've I, I've just written this up for Chairman Gallagher on the China Committee. And he was on Maria Bartiromo, gave a great interview last week talking about a wide range of things, but she asked him about what about China's influence in the elections. So I'm not talking now about Democrats or George Soros or, you know, any any kind of, you know, left-wing group. But who has the greatest, what nation has the greatest interest in the outcome of this election other than the United States? One could argue communist China. With Joe Biden, they've had their way in the world. Yeah. Under President Trump, they were, they were held in check. Yeah. Okay. So we know the seven swing states have mail-in balloting. Now, we know communist China spends, in America, annually $15 billion on intelligence and influence operations. I repeat this quite often when I'm, when I'm giving public talks because... I want to emphasize to people that they have the interest and the capacity to do nearly anything they want to politically in American politics. Wow. So imagine communist China going into the seven swing states and starting little, little, uh, they probably already have them in some ways, factories or warehouses in those seven swing states. And you have printing machines and computers and people. Now, they, they have access to the paper that is used in the production of the ballots. They have computers from which they can download the PDFs of the ballots themselves. They have access to the voter files where they can pick out from the voter files the people who vote zero of the last five elections. And so in those seven swing states, they're going to pick off, if they want to, 500,000 people in each of those states. And these are people who never vote, but they're on the voter rolls. And hear me out. They have, they can print them up, real ballots, real envelopes. They can have them filled out and they can, with artificial intelligence, produce signatures to actually replicate to a sufficient degree what those signatures you know, a person's signature would actually be. Yeah. Everybody has signed checks. They've signed all sorts yeah. of yeah. sort of thing. We ha- so the Chinese have access to everything to replicate ballots in our elections. We know they counterfeit hundred dollar bills. 
would be radically easier to counterfeit a ballot and do what I just described. Yeah, yeah. If, in fact, the future of the free world is at stake. Now, why wouldn't communist China do that this time? I believe they did that last time or they helped facilitate that last time because they had an interest in doing that. They think they're in a political war with the United States. Why wouldn't they do that? We'd be naive in the extreme to believe that they're simply going to sit on the sidelines and say, oh, the idea of touching an American election doesn't seem, you know, we can't do that. Or they're going to do what I've just described. And they're going to decide a presidential election. And where is where are state officials and where is the U.S. Congress and where is the media doing everything in their power to secure our so-called democracy from such intrusion? And that's almost non-existent. Under the scenario I just described, it would be mandated commonsensically that we have people show up either the day of the election or the day before the election, narrow it to two days. You have to show up. You have to show your ID. You vote on a piece of paper where everybody can see it and people are counting it right there and then so that there could be no possibility. Yeah, but that's not the case, right? That's not the case. Now, why is that not the case? Because the other side is okay with stealing the election. Right, okay. Period. They're okay with stealing the election. They believe Trump is Hitler, the people within the apparatus who monitor the election. If Trump is Hitler, then stealing it, even if it's the communist Chinese who are stealing the election, well, they that's, that's, they care. that's just a good thing, right? And they're going to steal it from Trump. They would steal it from Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis or any Republican. Okay. Why not? So, so when we think about any of this, we need to be much more serious about our elections and the security of those elections. But, but you, you began by saying, you know, we're not that much more serious. We're not. We're, we're a little more serious. Only maybe. a little bit. Only a little bit. Well, that's not sufficient. Not sufficient. And, this, so, and the odds of this election being stolen, by the way, everything I just described, right, every, you know, of, of course, it was nonsense that Trump was in the pocket of the Russians. We all know now that, I mean, that was a complete setup by the Democratic Party right, in right. order to undercut the authority. If they really believe that, the Democratic Party, that Trump is really in the pocket of Vladimir Putin, why aren't they securing the election from Vladimir Putin doing what I just described on behalf of Donald Trump? Yeah. Because they're not serious about this. That's why. Okay. And, and look, uh, I mean, I, it, this is a very unsatisfactory answer to you. But once you have Democratic state elected officials responsible for elections, they're going to have this until they get voted out of office. And because they well, control then, the apparatus, they're not going to get con- voted out of office. Well, but I asked you, you know, can Donald Trump win? And you said yes. Well, it but would, what it, you it, just, it, just it, described it, it, suggests... You get that, that no one could. But what I no, what I'm describing is is um, the need for there to be a national effort to get this right. Uh, is there? Well, there's there's a lot of talk of it. And there's a lot, a lot. Well, t- and it's mostly talk, mostly at the level of talk. There are some actions by state elected officials. But I think this is going to come to a head somewhere legally in the next several months mm-hmm. where people really realize that. Either either you're going to have a free and fair election or you're not. And if the system is this vulnerable to attack, then what the heck? In Georgia, just this past week, there was a hearing on an aspect of the 2020 election. And this computer expert from the University of Michigan, ironically, uh, Halderman, got up and in front of the judge, you know, had a computer and, and switched 
switched uh, vote tallies. He's sort of an expert in the field of election integrity and computers and what have you, and a Democrat, sort of an old-fashioned you know, Democrat, and in front of the judge, just got on his computer and laptop and manipulated a database within an election system that had been set up to simulate the vulnerability of our current system. Now, I don't know whether it was stolen electronically or what have you. We saw in 2020, just for anybody who might have forgotten, this pause in the middle of the night and then trucks coming in to places. I mean, it, it just bears repeating because if they can pause it when they know they're losing and drive in trucks of ballots, that means those ballots were produced ahead of time and they needed to be brought in. And the conditions to make sure there wasn't adequate scrutiny of those of the counting was created, too, which is why when before the pause, Trump is winning. And after the pause, Trump is losing. Right. What happened in the meantime? Yeah, we seem sure. not we seem not to be curious of that. What's going to happen to America, by the way, if that happens again? I'm not going to say the kind of things that would discourage the American people from going out and voting. Right. Because I think there's a lot of folks who think, God, oh, this whole thing is rigged. It's rigged. And yeah, so, no, and a lot and so, of Americans so why, believe it's rigged. Right. Believe it has been rigged. And I'd like to unrig it. We need to unrig this and have free and open elections. You saw in Taiwan recently, mm-hmm. you know, big contested election. The Chinese were, the communist Chinese were deeply interested in the outcome, not going to the the more nationalist party, the, not the, well, there's the KMT, which is the Nationalist Party. Then there's the Democratic Progressive Party, which is really more on the side of the people of Taiwan. It's typically thought more conservative, despite its name. The communist Chinese had every interest in the DPP party not winning the head of it. And yet he won anyway. How did he win? Despite all sorts of media advertising, etc., TikTok, etc. Uh, he won because people had to go in person, show their ID, vote on a paper ballot, with them counted with all sorts of people in the room. So basically absolute transparency, you get a free and fair election and the good guy wins. That's not going to happen. No, look, it's, so, no, right, no, so, it's, it's, so, it's ridiculous. No, look, this our, our, it's our worst case you say, but it, but it's real, could be real, could happen. As of today, yes, the Republican Party under Ronald McDaniel has done nearly, Very little, right? ne- nearly nothing to stop any of this. Mm-hmm. Mainstream media is not going to cover this. No, they're not going to help. No. Uh, and so and so, if you want to live in a free country, I would say to the listeners, this, host, this ought to be a very high priority. And again, it ought to be a high priority whether you like Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, yeah, Ron DeSantis, or, not, yeah. or Joe Biden. All right, so if or, a, or anybody, right? If it's a high priority, what should you do as Joe Citizen? Demand from your, your elected representatives a complete and thorough I won't say investigation of, of the last system, but a, a complete demonstration that there will be absolute transparency. Brian, one thing that stood out to me about um, Iowa and New Hampshire, you know, because you hear so much talk from um, media outlets, um, you know, the political class uh, from establishment. Uh, it became so crystal clear to me that Donald Trump, no matter what anyone on that level says, the people aren't listening to that. Like they still came out in droves and he's their guy. And it, to me, it was almost refreshing to hear that. Well, to see that, you know, the American people aren't just going to fall for whatever. Some of them aren't just going to fall for whatever the latest headline is or whatever someone on the news say or whatever an establishment, you know, politician says they've got their own mind. And that's what 
I walked away from Iowa and New Hampshire thinking, uh, did you get that same kind of sentiment, that same feeling? The American people, pretty independent in their thinking for the most part. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's right, especially on the center center right. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the center of the center right is bigger than we think it is, that there are a lot of people who just think, you know, I'm living my life, um, raising my family, and it was pretty good under that guy, Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Well, they, 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 they don't study it with any great level of detail, but it was pretty good under that guy. And under Biden, things aren't so good. And there's a whole bunch of stuff about transgenderism in my kid and being exposed to all these things. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. just that, you know, I don't like that world. I like a world where, I mean, these, these people you're describing, right. they want to live in a world where there's an American way of life that's a good thing and worth defending. Yeah, they don't have a problem with the American way of life, you know, and it's one thing that we had talked about. I think I'd brought this up on the show two shows ago, maybe as one of the benefits that former President Trump has is the fact that he can go presidential record for, with president for presidential record with uh, President Biden because he was president before. Like Americans remember what life was like yes, with that's him right. he has a and record. they are now currently living you know what life is like without him in the white house no it's not and a I promise it's, his, it's mm-hmm. not a promise it's he's not history. making any promises it's this history. is what i did exactly history. exactly and he can use that in, in this open border my god right yeah. everyone sees what that's what's going on here just and, horrible and i think people are really mm-hmm. they've had enough of it yeah. isn't that the campaign line isn't it you go economy you go uh foreign policy you go immigration you go transgender look at all these things i think you go immigration first me and look how it is here now you can go crime in the cities you can look at san francisco talk about a lot but you go immigration first immigration has to be the the main immigration is one immigration is one of those issues where it's just an open defiance of the rule of law yeah when you let people cross this way and it's crazy and it's every, every country has borders do we crazy. think he should leave with immigration in the general? I mean, I think it should the be most, there. It was, most, it was the most popular in both Iowa and New Hampshire okay. in the exit yeah. polls. Yeah. Yeah, so this was from our friend George. He says, uh, Dear Bill and Claude, uh, two topics on which I'd like to share comments. First, Ron DeSantis. All along, he has been my top pick for 2024. Checks all the boxes in my view. Very disappointed at his failure to catch fire. Everyone is piling on now, which annoys the heck out of me. As a horse racing fan, I hate past posting, but I do have a view. I believe he uh, erred on two fronts. First, he fumbled the ball every time the abortion issue came up. Aside from Haley, that was no different than most other Republican wannabes. More on this in a minute. Do we want to jump on that one first or do we want to get the other? No, 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 just in general. In general, what happened to DeSantis? I mean, you knew him. I I liked him. I knew him and liked him. Know him and like him. Yeah, I know. I know. I, 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 I know him and like him. I know a lot of people around him and a lot of them are friends. And I think he's at, at one level an eminently uh, good man and great governor. Yeah. I think politics is a very hard business, and you've been engaged in it for an awfully long time. But you know, you go to a you go to a fundraiser or you go to an event, and the great candidates are the ones that everyone wants to talk to, mm-hmm. and they want to talk to them. Yeah. Right. And DeSantis is a very intellectual guy, yeah, yeah. and he's not warm and fuzzy, and he yeah, doesn't. Come, yeah. He does not come across well in that regard. Yeah. And so, the more people got to know him, the less they liked him. Unfortunately, yeah. And so, it didn't matter how how good a job he did; people didn't like his personality at that level. It's a different game. 
it's a different game. And also, I think a substantial number of people who would normally or who would have naturally have liked Ron DeSantis four years from now thought Donald Trump fought a very noble fight for four years for the American people. Everything was against him, including the deep state, the media, etc. He had the election stolen. And if he wants to run again, I'm going to help him. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people thought that even the ones who liked Ron DeSantis. Yeah, and that is possible. You can't play in that league. It's just a different game. It's like these, you know, drafting these quarterbacks in the first round and they, on the, on the other hand, just don't make it. Yes. But on the other game. hand, did you want, did you watch his like four minute withdrawal of, yeah, he was leaving the election. I mean, it, it wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. But he seemed very human giving it. Yeah. He seemed, you know, sort of he, all the pressure, all the weight of this was off his shoulders. And he seemed like a normal guy. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right, which is, which is, invari- which is invariably, what, you know, what happens. <laughs> what happens. All. Yeah, I remember it happened to Romney, too, when Romney he, was he out. Could, he, could have been, he could have been more gracious toward the president, I thought, President Trump. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I'm always moved by, the, by Nixon, for instance, that there's no final act in American politics. Yeah. That, this, that DeSantis, okay, this didn't go very well. He could fix it. Yeah, he could fix maybe, it. Maybe he could fix it. I always thought it would be hard to catch fire as being Trump light when Trump is still so heavy in in the game as yeah, well. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll be Trump without all the stuff we don't like about Trump. You can't do that when the guy is still running. Yeah, and a lot of people who like him, they don't mind the stuff that everyone else says that we don't work. like. I, I, I don't know if that was a good plan. No, for it. it didn't but, work. It didn't allow him to. I don't think be him. Didn't work for any of those contenders. Really, no, no. But here's what you had to say if you were going to play that game. And I've said that I said this to the DeSantis folks, and I would say it to Nikki Haley's folks. The only thing that would be effective would be to say, look, President Trump is the greatest president of my lifetime. And, you know, in their short lifetimes, you know, other than Ronald Reagan, he was he was the greatest and, and probably was, in fact, the greatest given all the things he Trump had to overcome in so many ways. And if Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis would have said, look, greatest president of my lifetime, every court in America is after him. Every part of the Democratic machine, the legal machine is after Donald Trump. I am running to carry on the Trump legacy in the off chance that they're able to get him off the ballot because I want to carry on everything that Donald Trump did. That's interesting. If they'd have said that. Mm-hmm. I think they would have gotten, first of all, what would President Trump have said, right? He would have been sort of left saying, sure. you know, and then, and then all those people would have thought, okay, well, there, you know, there's something to that. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't help themselves. No. So DeSantis <laughs> had to attack <laughs> and Nikki, because they're consultants, you know, all want them to attack. All right. Can we move on? So we do have some emails about the chosen. You had because you had spoken about you know. You We're going to talk about there. it right now. Go ahead. So this is uh, this is from Dale. Dale says, "Hi, Bill and Claude. I've been a listener since the beginning of your Salem Radio Show. I remember getting up early to see you broadcast live from the Minnesota State Fair. Remember that? All right. So you've got a great podcast. Please keep it up. The Chosen has three seasons available, and I've watched all three seasons twice." I'm watching the second time. Uh, watching the second time brings up uh, nuances that I missed the first time. Uh, what I love about the show is the retelling of the stories I've heard all my life and giving them new life in vivid ways. 
I also enjoy the slower pace of a long-term series that allows them to delve into relationships, backstories, and feelings of the characters. There are plenty of critics, but I can't, but I can live with the way the writers have filled in content that is not in the Bible. I'm unwilling to, unwilling to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Thanks for what you do, Dale, uh, from Minnesota, but spending uh, the winter in Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chosen. Have you seen it, Claude? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen one. You, episode. the most spiritual among us. Well, I don't want to. You know, wasn't that Paul that said, "I, I am, I am the chief of all sinners." So that's. I'm not saying I'm the most spiritual. Yeah, okay. <laughs> as I'm well, you chief. can say both, by the way. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Okay. Perhaps both. <laughs> anyway, I haven't seen any of it. No, I haven't seen any. And of you've it. seen it. I've seen all three seasons at least three times. Wow. And been moved by it each time, obviously. Yes, yes. yes. I'm on, we're on season three, episode four or five. Yeah. And there will be more episodes, right? More series. Yeah, I mean. They think. Yeah, there are going to be seven seasons of it. It started, the, the first pilot, I think, was in 2017. Yeah. It started in 2019 in earnest. And. Season the, four is coming out, I season, think, sometime in February, right? February it's 1 in okay. theaters mm-hmm. and, you know. And you, you I'm told only, me I'm only if I'm only a fan of it, but I, uh, you know, given everything, it's it's pretty darn good. And and you you told me I didn't know this that it's a worldwide phenomenon. Yes, I think that right now they're at like you know many hundreds of millions of views, and they're pushing toward a billion wow. views. And what I find interesting about it, for those listeners who haven't seen it. That, you know, you just sort of take a step back on the culture and, you know, growing up, there were, there were, you know, science fiction movies, there's war movies, there's, you know, other kind of dramas, but there's nothing, again, there's sci-fi, but nothing apocalyptic. We've entered the period here where there's apocalyptic movies and TV shows. Think of, you know, World War Z mm-hmm. or all the zombie movies mm-hmm. and, you know, The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. you know, the big shows on, you know, <clears throat> The Last of Us, you know, the, the, the things. And so we've entered this weird period where the end of the world and a zombie apocalypse and just pain and suffering Dystopian has, stuff, has, yeah. has captured the imagination of our writers and thinkers and movie makers. And what I liked about The Chosen was in the face of that trend, you have this group of people who say, we're going to go back to literally the greatest, you know, story in the history of our, our, our world. And that is the story of Jesus. And we're going to tell it as clearly and lovingly and elegantly, extremely moving. For my Jewish friends, I say it is a, a probably one of the, one of the most positive renditions of Jewish culture in, you know, Jewish history I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's super interesting just from that point of view. And the main actor who plays, I mean, it, it's done by, you know, the, the, the main director and creator was a guy named, is a guy named Dallas Jenkins. Mm-hmm. He's an evangelical. And uh, Jonathan Rumi is the guy who plays Jesus. And this guy was born to play Jesus. And Boy, he was uh, like nobody's business. Uh, so compelling. And, you know, I, I'm sitting there and I say, 
He's a perfect Jesus. Well, what the hell do I know? You know, <laughs> I'm commenting on, but it seems to me it's, that's the Jesus I've been looking for. Yeah, huh? no, no, I, no, I think that's right. I mean, look, most people saw Max von Sydow mm-hmm. in the uh, greatest story ever told, I think. Yeah, and we saw The Passion recently. Passion with Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. Who, who's a, who's a, a brilliant actor, mm-hmm. but but uh, a brilliant actor, but doing only one slice of the, mm-hmm. the you know, story of Jesus with the passion. Our, our son recommended it, our, our younger son, and uh, Mrs. Ben and I have been watching it just transfixed mm-hmm. uh, and um, staying up too late. But um, it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable thing. I mean, and it's and it's about it's about the disciples, every bit as much as it's about the chosen. In other words, the, the, the chosen, yeah, right. And their lives and their interactions and their idiosyncrasies, and um, just fascinating, just fascinating to me. Our friend Peggy emailed and said the same thing about the chosen. She says she loves the way uh, how the writers and directors have Jesus and the disciples using mannerisms like, similar to what we do today. Like, yeah. Peter looks back at his wife and he's about to cast out the net saying, I've got this and stuff. But she said it just makes it kind of relatable. So, uh, yeah, Peggy uh, emailed him about that. I, I don't think they try to do that. So, mm-hmm. so they didn't necessarily modernize it. I just think that the writers didn't know how else to say it. Right. <laughs> you, you could have either have picked sort of an older, I mean, it's it's a different language, obviously. Sure. They were mm-hmm. speaking, and I imagine there are many, many, many more words in English than there were Aramaic oh, or, sure. or, or Hebrew. And so, but it, they pull it off. They pull it off brilliantly, and it's it's one of those shows where you, you turn it on, and you don't want it to be over with, and it flies right by. And you feel better for having watched it. Yeah, you feel better. And so much of our culture. and You feel worse. Yeah. You just feel, you know, awful. That there's something that you feel guilty about because it's just not good. There is a lot of goodness in this. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely, it, it is, as I say, very just well done as movie making, too. Tell me about uh, uh, Jonathan Rumi. Rumi. Yeah, now he's an American actor. Parents, I think. One of his parents was Egyptian, and, you know, he himself is a serious Catholic. He, you know, I watched, I've seen him on YouTube a whole bunch doing the rosary. He does a rosary for that app called Where's he? Where's he from? I think New York originally. New York City? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But he, he, uh, again, serious Catholic, and one of the, uh, one of the, Things the um, I've watched a bunch of interviews with Dallas Jenkins and Rumi together, and they also have you know a consultants t- to the show. I think they had an evangelical, they had a Catholic, they had a a, a rabbi, and so they were trying to cover all this. And again, they're, they're telling everybody this is not straight out of the Bible. You want the Bible? Read the Bible. We encourage it. Go do that. This is us telling. This story from the Bible, which we believe to be the revealed word, word, word of God, but please know that everything you're going to see in The Chosen is not the revealed word of God because a lot of this is not in the Bible. I like the creative uh, aspect, uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, No, you need, you need to watch it. I want to watch it. Yeah. 
That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter, William J. Bennett, and like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. Music.